Thank you, Islam. Friend. Thank you for making me look stupid. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, he beat him. Is he beat him? So, I mean, what do you think of that statement? Because I mean it. I don't say that to have a clever hook. I don't, I don't say it tongue-in-cheek. I grew up in the sport of wrestling. And on the very rare occasion that somebody could not go on, the very rare occasion, we went on. We went on without them. Whether they didn't show up for the match to start with or they started the match and decided they didn't want to finish it. Either way, we went on. And it was a loss to them, and it was a win for the guy that did show up. Izzy beat Duplisi. Period. Period. He set a date. He agreed to show up. He continued on. Duplisi isn't showing up. Now, I don't want to give Duplisi a hard time because I don't know what ailment he's dealing with. Right, He has the right to keep that private. I know that it's very common in our industry now to go put your x-rays out and put your doctors down. I think that's a really, really weird thing to do. And so I just want him to get well. But John Cena. John Cena was going to take on The Rock in the main event of WrestleMania. And John Cena starts to walk out and it's the crowd and the lights and the allure and the media and the production... And John Cena looks at a camera and he says, once in a lifetime, he's walking to the ring. The Rock's waiting for him. He says, once in a lifetime opportunity. And he looks around again and he says, yeah, I think so. And then he makes his walk. But I remember that. And he's right. You're not going to be able to get certain things in life again. It's a one-time opportunity. Now, Duplisi versus Adesanya works in Vegas. It works at Madison Square Garden. I get it. That's a big fight. I'm a supporter. What's going to happen in Australia with the debut of this new TV contract, what's going to happen with the media and the power of Izzy, the power of that entire gym, quite frankly, I'm talking about city kickboxing, in that location, you just can't redo. You just can't redo it. And it's it's one of those things that I, I am surprised. I've had people ask me what is so great about Duplisi. How did he go from an undercard that nobody even knew to the true, legitimate, undisputed, nobody argues it, number one contender? How did he do that so fast? It was from December to now. How did he do that so fast? And I've answered the question. He's tough. He is tough. And that's not much of an analysis. That is a very lazy approach, in fact. But some guys, it's a different answer. They have a rhythm. They have a speed. They have a length. Most of the greats over time did have something about their body that was unique. Think about Mike Tyson, just by example. How short he was. How compact he was. 
how powerful he was because of that stature. You can't get that in a gym. You can't get that through supplements. You can't get that through training. But a lot of the greats have something about their body that's very unique. If you look at just the size, the height and the weight of Simone Biles, who might be the greatest athlete on earth today. She might be one of the she might be the best athlete ever born. But there's just something very unique that you can't get. Just can't. Some guys have a speed, some guys have a power. Just for example, but that isn't the case when I watch Duplessis, at least not that I've been able to identify. He is tough. He has grit. He will go for it. He's got nerves of steel. He wants it. He's hungry. He fought just to get on TV, just to be televised. He fought and he got it. And when people ask me about him, it's what I say. I say he's tough. And now we're in this situation where, you know, you're not going to show up. And I don't know what to do about it. But I can tell you for sure, Adesanya is not at 100%. I'll just use that example. He's not at 100%. Nobody is. How could you be? How could you ever expect that even? How could you reasonably expect a guy that goes into a gym every day with trained killers and exchanges punches and kicks and slams, stretches and strangles, would ever be feeling great? You ever watch championship matches? You watch the Olympics, by example. You watch the gold medal match. Every athlete in every sport has one thing in common, which is if the camera's on them before the match, they got ice on them. They got somebody working something out. They're taped up. They got a swollen eye. They got a head wrap. They're getting their ankles taped. None of them feel good. And it really is a spot where, what a missed opportunity. And I just wanted to predict that. For a guy that fought so hard and really earned the respect of all of us, the respect of the promoters, the respect of the media, the attention and the respect of Adesanya, I mean, it's just one of those things I would not think that this would have happened. And I do look at it as a loss. I, I do not believe that Duplessis is in a position right now to continue to bark or talk trash about Adesanya. The rules of the playground carry over to the octagon, for sure. If two guys square up and one guy backs down, it does not matter. If it would have happened, he would have won. Probably lots of times, yeah, for sure. But that's still the way it goes. And I think that it's meaningful. I really do. I think it's meaningful, guys. Because now you have Sean Strickland, who will represent the lowest ranked number one contender that I can remember in a meaningful period of time. And by the way, Sean's the right guy. Absolutely, Sean's the right guy. Absolutely, this was the right move. But I've spoke to you guys at length about Benny Darush's situation. He was in a number one contender's match. He lost. But the guy that he lost to can't go on. And our sport says, well, you know, you lost. You're, you're, when we're going to have the conversation about who should be next, you are eliminated because you lost the number one contender's match. That isn't true. It just appears to be true. 
There is a clause that goes back from the beginning of this sport in Japan known as the Survivor's Clause, which means whoever can go on is the guy if the other guy can't go on. And I thought that Benny should have argued it. And I feel that Sean Strickland and this opportunity represents that the Survivor Clause is real. That we have it and we do it even if we don't speak about it. And the fact that Izzy didn't blink, you know, that's a hard fight for Izzy. That's a hard fight for anybody, Sean Strickland. And Sean Strickland's experience with Piera works in Sean's advantage. That night that he had, that frustration he had from standing there and taking those shots when he had other skills and other things that he could have done, rushing a situation instead of showing a little bit of patience, as hard as that was for Sean, I spoke to him many times after that match, as hard as that was for him, Oh my goodness. You know how helpful that is right now? All that pain is gone. Now, now it's just an experience. I'm just sharing with you. He's going to know how to fight Izzy. That is a, a, a very, very difficult match. And you want to know who'd agree with me? Izzy. And the reason I bring that up is it's just a different mindset. I'm telling you right now, Izzy doesn't feel great. I don't know what's wrong with him. I also don't know what's wrong with DDP. But, but I know there's something. There's always something. Some with Strickland, some with all the guys. But you have a different mentality. You have a different approach. You have a different code that you live by. Once you say yes, it's a yes. Period. For some guys. Adesanya turns out to be one of those guys. And what a difference a day can make. Michael Bisping is amongst the toughest guys to ever do this sport. But when Michael Bisping was given his title opportunity, it was on eight days' notice. He wasn't the one. He wasn't the one that they wanted. He wasn't one that we're going to put in. His ranking, his record, I really can't remember it off the top of my head now. But, but I know he was not first choice. Not only won and became world champion, he stopped his opponent. In the first round, went into the Hall of Fame. I mean, his whole life changed. By saying yes, by taking opportunities. He didn't look at it and say, hey, this is a hard match. I don't know if this is going to go my way. It was an opportunity. He said, yes, hey, I'm not in shape. I haven't prepared for this. My weight's heavier than it usually is. He said, yes, he figured it out. He understood that 80% of success is just showing up. And I don't want to kick Duplisi. I really don't. He's got an injury, and my message is, hey, I hope you get well soon. But I wanted to predict this. And... Duplisi laid the groundwork for this. I never spoke about it to you guys. I dismissed it. He laid the groundwork for this at the press conference after he beat Whitaker and when he went face-to-face -face with Adesanya. When he went face-to-face -face with Izzy and they had that interview, the next thing Duplisi did is lay the groundwork to not do this match. And it was a surprise, and I dismissed it. You got adrenaline. You got a lot of things going. You say things. But he did, if you go back to that press conference, you will hear him say, well, you know, we'll see. It's, it's pretty soon. You know, I'm dealing with some stuff. We'll, we'll see how this goes. And up until that point, and prior to that face-to-face, -face, it was yes, 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 yes. Please, 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 me, me, me the whole time. There was one glimpse and now we're seeing that that had some fuel added to it. 
And who knows? I mean, who knows what happens? If Strickland beats Izzy, we're not even talking Izzy Duplee. It's just gone. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. You got to get the matches you can get when you can get them. You got to win the matches you can win when you can win them. Don't think I'll do it tomorrow. Don't think I'll do it down the line. And it's one of those spots. I, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I do think that's a lesson for our sport. I think it's a lesson for the guys. And it's been taught to us since 1993. But it seems to be a lesson that we forget constantly and have to be reminded of. We, we've had guys that have come out with threats and say, I'm not going to fight again. If you don't such and such, then I won't fight again. We're going to hold the events that are already scheduled a year in advance. We're going to hold them when we say we're going to hold them. And we're going to hold those title matches when we say we're going to hold them. We are going to go on with it and we are going to figure it out with or without you. And Adesanya not blinking and moving right in to Son Strickland, man, they don't make him like him. They just don't. He's got a mindset. He's got a competitiveness. They just, there's just, there's not, there's not five athletes in the world. Any sport, any way you want to do it. And, there, and there's possibly not five athletes in the history of sport. Truly, truly, truly. With the mindset of Adesanya. It's, it's an amazing thing to watch. And I don't want you to miss it. Holocausta versus Chamaya. Aaron Bronstetter out of Canada. God bless him. Was nice enough when he made this announcement to credit me. He said, as first reported by Chael Sonnen. And that is very true. I was the first to bring you the news that it was going to be Paulo Costa versus Chemayev in October. And I had spoken to both Chemayev and Paulo Costa. I mean, I, I had good sources here. But then that got broken up. I'm just remind you guys of the timeline. Because we haven't seen this before. So you, you had a match. And there wasn't about agreement. You know, that's kind of a fine line. It's actually a really important detail, whether it was signed or not. It's an important detail. It was not. But it was agreed on, and here's what we're going to do. All right. Guys are preparing. They're training. They, they understand this. But then that idea got broken up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, we get an announcement that Paulo Costa is fighting with the Russian in Salt Lake. And there looked like maybe some good reason to bring Paulo to Salt Lake. That was where he had that epic match with Luke Rockhold, just to remind you. So you bring the guy back to the local crowd. You cut, you know, there, there, there's some reasons. But it was with an opponent that nobody had discussed. Uh, there was no heat. There was no beef that wasn't headed in a certain direction. It didn't appear, no matter what kind of fire got lit under that, that that was going to become a number one contenders match, just by example. So it was still the spot that we were in. And we moved forward. Then we hear, just a number of days ago, that that fight, which is scheduled to go off, I mean, bell time is, it's next week, uh, is broken up. It was broken up by the organization. And that was the part when I tell you we've never had this before. We've had illness and injury. We've had weight issues. We've had, whatever the excuse is, we've had the guy, the athlete, not show. Card subject to change for that very reason. We've never had an example where the promotion made a decision to break up a match. Oh, and by the way, and possibly more importantly, to 
then put him back where we had him to start with. Okay. There's no problem here. I think us as the community, we got to wait a little bit, but I think we got what we wanted. I think that the right decision was made. But what was said? What was said? This guy, I want to make sure you guys understand this. I want to make sure you're crystal clear on this timeline. This decision was made three days ago. What was said? And whatever was said was said with the information that they had at that time. So when Dana gets on the phone and he tells Paulo, I know you're in training camp. I know this isn't the call you wanted. But we need you over here in October with Jemiah. What was said? Was it said a financial something? Or more commonly, in a situation like this, was it said this is a number one contender's man? And I'm very curious about that. Because we have been under the belief, and it has been said publicly, that Chemayev, if he moves to middleweight officially, doesn't do the yo-yo, he's officially a middleweight, and he has one win, that that will then make him the number one contender for the world championship. That has been said. Now, we don't lock somebody in as though they're under oath, because again, we understand those decisions and comments are made based on the information that we have at that time. And we can have different information along the way. Oh, okay, hey, we got we to gotta redo this. We, we get that. We fully understand that. But I am sharing for you, I believe it. I, I don't see Jemai of doing multiple fights in that division, particularly over this level of guy. I mean, Jared Cannonier's name was in there for a moment. Paulo Costa. I mean, these are former number one contenders. It would seem that that would be in line. But I want to remind you guys, that was three days ago. And why, why do I keep bringing that up? Because two days ago, I apologize, one day ago. So three days ago, a phone call happens. What was said? And I'm just playing the game of if. I, I don't know. But it's a lot to ask. I mean, th th this is a big ask. One of the reasons that this has never happened before, ever, is who wants to make that ask? I mean, how do, how do you explain that? You're in training camp. You've finished training. The, one of the worst things. One of the worst experiences you'll ever go through. He went through it. But you're not going to get the match. You're going to have to go through another training camp to do this match. Nobody over there at the UFC thinks that's apples to apples. I mean, I, I can just tell you their, their mentality. They are extremely fair and reasonable people. Whoever made that call before they made the call knew I'm going to have to sweeten, I'm going to have to do something. And they would have had it and they would have presented it. They would have presented it just to, to, to be looked at as, as a gentleman. They wouldn't have waited for Paul and I. They would have said, hey, this is, this is what we want. But if you agree, here's what, and I, I'm just suggesting that for you, because what if it was number one contendership, which by the way, we believe Chemayev has that power. We've been told he has that power. Whoever the opponent were told that match, Chemayev, him specifically, that match, will identify number one contender. That was three days ago. One day ago, which brings us to last night, we find out that Duplisi can't do the match. 
and Duplisi versus Izzy is a match that everybody wants. But look at what just happened. So we're going to go do Izzy and Strickland. Izzy's the favorite. We'll do Izzy and Duplisi right on down the road. We'll get that grudge match. We'll get all this hype. We'll get everything that we have. We're just going to do it a different time. Well, are you? Are you? Because if if you've, if you've already told Paulo who did pull out and who is going to go and who is going to make that walk against a guy who has been told if he wins, he gets to fight for the belt. What do you do with Duplisi? And when do you do it? I and mean, what order are we going to go in? We can give, if we made promises, we can deliver on them, but in what order? Who has to wait? If it's Duplisi that has to wait, we're talking about a year. We're talking about a year just based on what we had. No, right now, we're talking about a year before he's in there with Adesanya which would be three wins and with Adesanya's contracts, millions of dollars. Does he even still want to do this then? It's a very real question. Does he want to do it? Does he want to do it at 185? I mean, I'm just saying, right, it's, it's one of those things where there is a massive domino effect. And what is going on with the Apollo match as it pertains to Chemayev? What is going on there, and how did we get to this point? When that phone call came, the first ever phone call that has been made ever on this specific topic, we are breaking up the match. We need you here, but we're willing to. Willing to what? What was said? Willing to what? Is it just a check? I mean, if I'm making too big of a deal that that is a number one contenders match, if I'm wrong about that, just that was never said to, to Apollo, it never came up, it never even crossed their mind. Chael, you're completely wrong. Well, okay, fine. If it didn't happen in that phone call, it has been said that Chemayev's fight in October is a number one contenders match. So whether it was promised to Apollo or it wasn't, we've already been told that for Chemayev, it is. What do you do with Duplices in that situation? When do you give it to him in that situation? Or do you say to hell with it and throw your hands up? Say, do Plesis and the winner of Holocaust and Shemaya are going to fight, right? Like for us, the viewer, we're in a great spot, right? We're having some fun here. It's a good time to be a fight fan. But I'm still curious what was said. I mean, I, I came to you a couple days ago and told you that Charles wasn't going to fight Islam in Abu Dhabi. I had great reason for saying that. Charles said he wasn't going to do it. Islam's calling out. Other guys, Volkanovsky saying, I I'm in. I mean, right, it's one of these things. I great reason for believing that. But I can't tell you what matches they're going to do. I can't tell you who's number one contenders match. I can't tell you who's going to be next when it's not revealed to us. And there's more on it. There's something here. This has never happened before. You broke up a non-main event to make a non-main main event. There is something more here. And when you got Paulo to agree, how? You offered him something. What was it? Thank you, Islam friend. Thank you for making me look stupid. All right, guys. So we got a real treat yesterday. Dana White, generally, that's a very loose generally, by the way, but it's it's more common than not that Dana White will make announcements when there's a press conference. So even if there's news and there's some scuttlebutt going around, 
You kind of wait, you kind of brew on it. It's part of the design. Keep that going, keep the speculation going. And then when there's a press conference, ask him anything you want and he will answer it. But he came out yesterday, he made a video right in his office. Made a video, put it out. No questions, no press conference, boom, everything you need to know. And it kind of rocked the community, quite frankly. It was one of the more information-packed videos that I have ever seen him do. So, had to do with Abu Dhabi. October card, way down the road, right? We've been talking about this card, guys, for four months. Largely because we were told that's where Islam will come back, that's where Chemayev will come back. Two stars who we want to see. Here's your answer, October Abu Dhabi. But it still started speculation. I mean, there's there's no other card we've talked about for four months that, oh, by the way, still has a number of months to come up. Okay, great, but Dana, Dana clears some things up. And one of the things he cleared up is in the main event, we're going to have Islam versus Charles. Now, I made a deal with Gabriel Checo that I will change the way I speak about Charles moving forward. And this was the night that Charles beat Benny. And I sure mean to be respectful. And I sure mean to honor my deal with Gabriel. I don't know that I can tell the story in any other way than to tell you Charles has made it very clear to me he doesn't want to fight Islam. Three different ways. One of them, his official Twitter account, where he became the number one contender. And after that, after that, when the shot was secured, the date was secured, he called out Conor McGregor. Another one is an interview that he did on the morning of the last pay-per-view. Was that last week or the week before? Time, the way time goes. And he says he's not going to fight Islam in October. He said, I will fight him. I just need more time. I think he had like an injury or something he was dealing with. And he only needed it. He said, I'll fight him in November. I'll fight him in December. I'll fight him anytime but October. And it was a peculiar statement because the date of the card in Abu Dhabi is at the end of October. The top of my head, it's the 22nd. It might be the 28th, but you get my point. But I won't fight him in October, but I will fight him in November. If you look at a calendar, all of a sudden we're talking about a week. And we're talking about that week months in advance. So a guy like me sitting in a position, I'm just observing this, getting my daily fix of MMA news. I'm going, how would you know? How would you know now that you're not going to feel good then? But you will feel good one week after. I mean, it was just one of these situations, right? You've always got a language barrier. You've always got these certain things. But Islam, the day before Dana makes this announcement, called out Leon. And I'm wondering why. I'm just wondering why. Because that was calculated, even if I don't know. I, I Even in hindsight, I don't know why he did that. That was calculated. There is nothing that happens over there that Ali is not a part of. And Ali just might be a genius. Truly. He understands this game in ways that other people don't. And so Islam called him out. He did that for a reason. He was trying to get something. He, he was trying to leverage or bother Charles in some way. Or he was trying to bother 
Volkanovsky possibly by going in a direction that wasn't him. I don't know. I'm, I'm left to guess, but I, I do wonder why, because when Islam did that, that was the final nail in the coffin of me coming to you confidently to only be able to tell you one thing, which is the Charles match isn't going to happen in October. And as I look at that, I still wonder why was it so important to get Charles to remind you when Islam and Charles did fight, it was in Abu Dhabi. So the same crowd is going to get what they've already seen. That match, I'm not looking to be a jerk, right? I promise Gabriel Charles is, is wonderful. He's just wonderful. That match was not competitive in any fashion. Not with the hands, not with the feet, not with the knees, not with the elbows, not with the double legs, not with the guillotines. I mean, there, there was nothing about that match that was competitive. But it looks like a good level of work was put in to preserve that match. We got Volkanovsky straight up called it. I'll do it. I'm straight up. I'll do it. I have, my, I have my own opinion that Michael Chandler's the guy you put in. And I had a little bit of pushback on that when I first said it, having to do with, with most recent records and current ranking, a little bit of pushback. But an hour after I said that and got pushed back on, Sean Strickland was given a title fight, which proved my point. And why is it, Charles? Why was that so important? I have noticed that I'm not sure there was anyone else. Why I tell you that I think Chandler should have done it. He's got his hands full. He's got the TV show going. He's got the thing with Connor. Just by example, this wasn't a match that he spoke about or wanted. Volkanovsky did step up and deserves full credit because that's real. He wasn't just barking. He would have done it. But a deal was struck that we were told that Volk needs to win his next match, which has now happened, and he did win. And Islam needs to win his next match before that rematch would happen. Now, I know opportunity and things like this pre present themselves, but okay, let's just eliminate Volk because we're going to stick to the plan that we've, we've had from the beginning. I just don't know who else was there. I think that Benny had a wonderful argument that he could have made as it has to do with an industry standard known as Survivor's Clause. Even though he lost, if Charles can't go on, we have a standard in this industry and Vinny could have invoked it. If he would have invoked it, it would have made him the only 155-pounder on earth that was calling out Islam. I mean, it would have been a very compelling thing. And I got pushback when I brought that up. But again, if you see the announcement for Sean Strickland, it proves my point. So it's, it's just one of those things where I don't know that that's a mega, I don't know that that's a box office hit. I don't know that that's, but I don't know that that's what this was about. Charles is the number one contender. That's true. He earned it. That's true. He did say my next fight will be with Islam. I am going to fight Islam. He just said, you know, I, I, I need a different date. And so it's kind of one of these spots that if you're not going to go to him, who are you going to go with? Nobody else raised their hand. We've got clarity. I admit I was wrong. That fight is going to happen. I think that's very good news. I do think that match is going to be more competitive. On the other side of the coin of that statement, I don't know that there's a way that it could be less competitive than the first one.
Football is back. All right. Now, I think that Tom has the potential and is likely to be the future of that division. I think. That division is about to look very different. I mean, it sounds as though we're going into a new era. I think some of your familiar faces, also known as the dinosaurs, are on their way out. And it might even be by choice. It might some of these guys talking about I'm gonna retire. Maybe maybe they will. And I share that because Tom's got one thing against him. But it's a big thing. I mean, it's it's a I caught it when he said it as well. I mean, he said that it was eight months ago that he said I caught it. He said it one time. And Dana White just quoted it two nights ago. So, I mean, when I tell you it's one thing, it, he said, I don't want to fight John Jones. And tell, and then there was something on that. There was some kind of a caveat on that. But it, it, he, either way, it was said that he wasn't ready. You know, I need a couple more fights or any more experience. Whatever it was, it never should have been said. And I, that's it, though. I mean, I'm being critical. And that's all I got is he, he said a sentence one time and it was heard on an, an interview. I, got to be able to work around this. Tom goes out and he was in his hometown. Might've been the O2 even. And he goes out and he has a, a match with Curtis Blades and he hurt himself. He was on the attack though. Right? I mean, he's, he walked across the cage and Curtis is standing there. I mean, Curtis did everything right too. Threw Curtis through some couple of twos down the middle. Curtis, it, Curtis did his job, but Tom did hurt himself. He didn't get hurt. He hurt himself. It was his attacks. Hurts his leg. All right. Heels up and he's back. And I, I got to give you that timeline though, because he's back in a main event. That's hard to do. To come to a comeback fight, whether it was a retirement or in this case, a forced timeout, it's really tough to come back into a main event. I think it speaks to the respect. I think it speaks to the allure and the potential future of Tom Aspinall. I think it's a massive compliment that he's been put in this position. I'm just sharing for you as we go into it. It's a hard spot. What will generally happen when you're talking with a fighter who's coming off an injury whether you talk to him directly or you talk to his team. And by, when I use the term generally, what generally will happen, it's happened 100% of the time that I've ever heard of in my life. If a guy has an injury, right? A guy likes to do a training camp for eight weeks. Likes to have a two-month training camp. So when he gets told by a doctor, you're out with this injury for eight months. The guy's math in his head is instantly eight plus two. And he will then tell the media and his family and his friends and his supporters and the promoter, book me in 10 months. I will be ready. The promoter will follow up. All of us say, hey, it was just like the doc said, eight months, I'm cleared. I'm back in the gym. I can be two, two months, two month training camp. That's, that's what I do. That's what I'm used to. Give me that and I'll go fight anybody. It, that's what happens every single time. And the problem with that is when the athlete was going into the two-month training camp, he was in the gym every day prior to that camp. He just wasn't working as hard. It was just a different intensity. And I can just tell you that firsthand. I never miss practice. I would fight on Saturday. I'd be at practice on Monday. And I wouldn't do what all the other guys did. 
or not every time. And then even as I am going through and kind of get used to it, and kind of, you, know, you, you shake off your celebration, whatever that is, after a couple of weeks, and you, you, you're doing a good job. You're doing good, solid practice. You're showing up, you're putting the time in. But there is a time in practice where you're pushing, and you will ask yourself, do I want to dig that deep right now, or do I want to just go through the motions and get through this? And you, you got to have a you got to do both. And then when you have training camp, right? That was an actual day that I'd mark on my calendar right through my iPhone. And when that went off, now I'm doing the same thing at the same time with the same guys, but the intensity changes. If I want to break or I want to sit out around, I don't. If I'm on bottom and I don't want to scramble off the because it's too hard, I will. I want to go see some water as opposed to. Hitting the bag. No, I'll hit the bag. Get the water later. It was just a different thing. You changed the intensity. And the reason I bring that to you is because when the guys do the math of X time by the doctor plus two for my training camp, they're not understanding you're going into camp in a very different condition and a very different shape than you normally would had you been able-bodied, had you been getting the same road work in that you were used to, had you been jumping the rope the way that you were used to? Had you been on the weights, had you been on the sparring, had you been on the mitts the way that you were used to? And it's it's just a different spot. And when you come back, it's not a problem. You go in there three fives, it's going to be really hard. Tom is in a position, historically speaking, where he needs to finish the match. The likelihood, historically speaking, right? that means I'm basing this on other guys. It might not apply to Tom. If I was to base what he's going up against against other guys, the likelihood of him winning a decision greatly changes. The probability and the fraction there greatly changes. It is a wildly difficult thing to go 25 minutes. The human body is not made for it. So there's ways to do it. Right, boxing. They got they got they had the announcers do it. Since the guys, since the fighters can't do it in boxing, they had the announcers do it for them. Well, they're feeling each other out. There is no such thing. They just have an unspoken and unwritten agreement. I can't do this, and neither can you. They're making us go twelve rounds. Let's burn five, and we'll go go like hell for seven, which is reasonable. Very unlikely in a two month training camp that a heavyweight of that size can hold up for 25 minutes. And I don't say this at all to put Tom down. It's just the opposite. He agreed anyway. He knows this. He knows what I'm saying is true. He, he agreed anyway. Go walk out there anyway. Tabara is not an easy guy. I respect it. But I'm calling this out so when the match is done, Tom gets the credit that he deserves because I don't think he's fully aware of the respect that's being shown to him by bringing him back into a headlining act. So I'm here to tell the story for him. So Patty the Batty came out. He said, I'm not going to let my weight moving forward get over 90 kilograms. 90 kilograms off the top of my head, you're looking at about 195 pounds. 85 kilograms, 186 pounds. At 10 pounds, you bet 195 pounds, right? 96, 97, it's a big guy for 155, and this isn't new. Patty furthered it by saying, yeah, I'm having some 8,000 calorie days. I've got to stop those. And... I don't have a problem with the lack of discipline. 
there are guys that have got to go in and out. I mean, they, they just have to. Right? Other guys have to be complete. George St. Pierre, he's got to be complete, absolute discipline. To have confidence. It'll wreck his confidence if he goes clean for eight weeks. Right? A lot of guys go clean for eight weeks. I haven't had a drink in eight weeks or something, something along these lines. Big head of steam. It just depends on who you are. And so I don't want to grind on Patty for that. And I also view Patty very differently than I used to. And when Patty walked out at home after pulling this weight, walked out there, pushed the pace, had no endurance issues, in fact, weaponized pace, lost the first round, came back to win, and then gives an interview that he had lost a friend and was carrying the stress with him and still went through all this. I view him differently. And I will speak of him differently. When I look at that, okay, now again, I repeat myself, but when you know where I'm standing, I don't have a problem with the lack of discipline. Everybody has to let their hair down every now and then. Everybody has the right to have fun. And Mike Dolce himself will not use the word and will not let his clients use the word cheat meal or cheat day. It is called an earned meal or an earned day. And, okay, so that, that that's a piece of it, okay? Now, there's problems that come with that. There's longevity issues, right? Historically speaking, we can look at guys. You would be stunned if you knew how many guys retired whether it's the sport of wrestling, where they weigh you in, the sport of boxing, where they weigh you in, the sport of MMA. I mean, there's very, very few professions or even hobbies out there where you got to get on a scale before you're allowed to go do it. But you would be stunned how many guys retired because they didn't want to beat that scale anymore. And when I tell you stunned, I will tell you most. Most guys that make the decision to call it, it's because of the scale. It's because of the training. It's because of the lifestyle that goes into it. They can still fight. They can still move around. And they still want to. They still like that money. They still like that roar of the crowd. They're still young enough. They're still fast enough. They still got some wins left. They got all that stuff. They don't want to work that hard anymore. That's okay. This isn't like a secret. So there's longevity issues with Patty coming up and, and coming down. You would generally have, but this is a broad stroke, you would generally have a guy that has conditioning issues. I want to go back to Mr. Discipline. It sounds like we kind of got Mr. Undisciplined. He's doing his own thing. But let me go back to Mr. Discipline that's making a return to George St. Pierre. Okay, George St. Pierre, whatever he's going to weigh on fight day, He's going to pull down to 170, but hydrated, he's 178. Whatever he's going to be on fight day is what he will do his training camp at. He won't do his training camp at 190 pounds and then slowly descend to 170 and then fight 178. He trains at the weight that he's going to carry into the match. Now, that is an extreme discipline. But I do share for you, there is a concern as you observe Patty. You go, okay, wait a minute. 
If you got to pull 50 pounds, training camp is now about losing weight. It's not about techniques and strategies. It can't be. When practice is done, you got to put the sweats on. You got to get in the treadmill. You got to get on the aerodyne. You got to keep your body moving, right? It's calories in versus calories out. We all know how to lose weight. And I bring that to you. When you go into practice, you've got X amount of energy. Whatever that energy is, you've got X amount. And the coach needs to do a good job of kind of knowing you know where to push and know when to pull back. And it's, it's, it's one of these things. But imagine the coach is asking you to do certain things. He's, he's got a curriculum for you. And you do it. But the whole time, you know when practice is over, I need to put in another hour. It's going to be light. I'm going to be on the treadmill. Maybe I'll be in the sauna. Maybe I'll be, but I still have to do it. I have to, per responsibility, reserve some energy so that I can do that. And that will catch up to you fast. I don't suggest for you it has to Patty. I have been blown away at how hard Patty can push in the third round. So he's not a victim of that. I'm just bringing it to you that these are concerns that you would have to look at. And even if he's not a victim now, five years from now, it's different. Your body's different. Let me get to what does concern me. How? Let me go back to the point I just made. It's calories in versus calories out. How? I've already established for you. I have proven to any reasonable jury that training camp is weight loss camp. And it's very, and it's hard. You're working hard. There's positive things that are happening, but it's still different. That's not the time to skill build. That's not where your full focus and your full energy is going to be. Okay, great. Do it in reverse. On your off time and the off season, that's where your skill building, that's where you're training. Well, it's hard to come to that opinion if you gain 50 pounds because it's calories in versus calories out. You cannot, the human body cannot go in the gym, right? Professional athletes going twice a day. It wouldn't even matter if you're in a sissy sport, like, you know, baseball or something. You're still going twice a day. You're playing hockey or something. You're still in there twice a day. That's what a professional athlete does. How are you doing that and gaining weight? How? I mean, let me give you a different scenario. Let's say he's not in the gym. How much does he weigh? We got a 230-pounder on our hands? Now we got a health issue. Now all of a sudden, somebody does need to speak a little stronger to him. Or is it a situation where, and a lot of guys do this, they're not in the gym. You guys remember the late, great Evan Tanner? Evan Tanner was such a good workout partner. We were teammates. We could not see Evan Tanner until he had about agreement signed. Not a rumor of a fight, not even an announced fight. He had to have it signed. But once it was, three a day. He would work so hard, but he wouldn't come in the rest of the time. So now you're looking at about, you know, eight to 10 weeks before a fight. You're getting three of those a year. All of a sudden you're training about 30 weeks a year in a 52 calorie year. You're kind of training you half time. And there's a lot of guys that do that. But I'm asking, is Patty one of those guys? Like regardless of what might be said, numbers don't lie. As an outsider on the other side of the pond, I don't know how you're gaining this weight. I mean, if you're in the practice room, I don't know how you're gaining the weight. If you're not in the practice room and you're more of an Evan Tanner style, took him to a world championship, I won't question you. I think that you know what you're doing. 
But I think that you would have to agree with me. You'd have to at least concede the point to me. You're right. Fight camp is fat camp for me. And those are things that are concerned. Those are things that will bite you. That, that is where, you know, everybody can let their hair down. Everybody has to let their hair down, right? You have the right to go and have some fun. You even owe it to yourself. But are you in the gym? Are you training? Are you doing what a professional athlete does? Is every, is every box checked except the nutrition box? I can live with that. Absolutely. I've just got to wonder, is he not in the gym? Is he not training? Is he not burning those calories? Does he have more of an Evan Tanner approach? So everybody's got a window. That's all fight career is. You got this window. But you have very reasonable beliefs where somebody's window's a little bigger and somebody's a little bit shorter. And I bring it to your attention. Patty's been open with us. He brought up the weight. He brought up the calories. We know that he's dealing with an injury. But where's the discipline at? Is he in the gym? Jake Paul just did an interview, and boy, was this interesting. I was talking about his fight with Nate. He said, I'll be happy with four to 500,000 pay-per-views. He said, but then again, I'm coming off 800,000 pay-per-view sales. My fight with Tommy Fury, so maybe we'll get a surprise. Said, I've never had an opponent who has more impressions on social media than Nate. He said, I've never had an average ticket price for live attendance. I've never had an average ticket price higher than the one we have now. And he either said it's sold out or it's on track to sell out. I think he said it's already sold out. And two things. First off, no fighter's mind works this way. And second, even if it did, they're not in a position to have the capabilities to have access to those numbers. But because Jake is the promoter, he does. Oh, and by the way, the first thing you're probably going to do, the very first thing that your mind is probably going to do is think he's lying. He is embellishing. And that's a fine way to promote. I wouldn't have a problem with it. And neither would you. But you also might not take it as sincere and really value the numbers and the information that he just shared because you might chalk that up to fiction. And I'll just remind you, Jake's never done that. Never. He's promoted with spoofs. He's promoted with comedy. He's promoted in more sophisticated ways. But when he starts talking about the success of the business and what it is he's trying to do, and he doesn't do it often, but when he does it, he does it very accurately. So I am going to take those numbers, not with a grain of salt. I'm going to take them face value. And I'll remind you of that because we were told that Jake versus T-Wood part two bombed, that it did around 68, 69,000. And when I say bombed, I mean by expectations. And we also know that to be true because guess who told us it? Jake. Jake himself. Something that would be very embarrassing for, he told us. He had to cancel the event at MSG 
with that bottom ramen. He told us. Told us when he refunded tickets what the box office was. I'm just sharing with you. Like, there's a lot of good things he could talk about, but he's not scared and doesn't run from talking about the other side. So I believe him. I'm sharing with you that I believe it because th this is really relevant. Now, don't forget, it was only a week ago that Jake Paul came out and said, I'm not happy with Nate. I thought Nate would do more to build this. and But now he's come out and he's conceded that he has had a greater effect. Whether he's done as much or not, his reach and his audience was passionate enough that he has had a greater effect than any other opponent. I think that's interesting. And it really is something that Jake Paul has created here. And when this story is all done, this will be studied, for sure. Will it be studied for the good, or will it be studied and reminded of, of the bad? I mean, right, the story is still being told, but it will be observed. I mean, you have a guy who did not come through the Golden Gloves. He's not a second-generation boxer. He is not a guy that needed to fight. You know, his family was counting on him. They might not eat if, 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 if he doesn't get in the ring. It's just not one of those situations. This isn't a guy that, that came up and had 100 amateur fights and aspired to make the U.S. Olympic team. It's none of those things. But it is a sold-out main event pay-per-view attraction. And that is not a story that any of you would have believed had I told you 20 years ago. But I told you, hey, there's a way. You wouldn't believe that it was going to be a main event, sold-out pay-per-view attraction without having those real skills and that real paperwork and that, that real background. And that was a lot of the pushback. People were watching and business was very good, but the narrative was very against shake. That's true until he started beating world champions, until he was agreeing to fight actual boxers, until he got in there and did fight. I think the Fury fight served him. I think it just showed the validity of what is happening here and what he's trying to accomplish. I'll have proof of that after this next fight, see if he got a bounce or not, but where's this going to go? How far is this going to go? Eddie Hearn addressed this last week for the first time that I'm aware of. And Eddie Hearn's a very smart guy, very intelligent, very well spoken. He's a handsome guy. He, he's real good at making his points to get in the cross. And he had to address something. There was a boxing match. And I don't know where it was on the card, but it was the only match from the card that made any media make you think it was a feature match. But it was a, a, a girl's fight. When the girl was doing her interview, she was so excited, got the adrenaline going, and she lifts up her sports bra. All right, right there on, on live TV. What do they call that, a flash? So Eddie just spoke about that and said, man, we got to disassociate ourselves. I, I know they're doing good numbers. I, I, I get the business there. But to call that boxing as opposed to what we're doing, which is the pursuit of a young man with a dream that sacrificed and worked hard his whole life and got great skills to go against somebody that did the same thing, the cream rises to the top until we actually know who the best is, we put the belt around him. And Eddie's saying, man, you know, these are, these are two vastly different things. But it's the first time that he really drew that, and he didn't put the other companies down, by the way. Said I don't I don't like what they're doing, but he didn't put the the business down. He admitted there's a draw for that, but that's not what we do. And it was just a very compelling thing because my opinion matters, and so does yours, because we're fans, we're viewers, and what do we want to see? What do we want to see?
I'm not convinced, in fact, I don't believe in any fashion, that Eddie himself would not make an exception if he had the right match. I'm not convinced at all that Eddie himself would not come out to have a little fun if he thought he could sell out arena and move enough pay-per-views and, and break away from his own model. And I certainly wouldn't blame him. The audience decides. We decide what we want to see. And seeing celebrities and seeing them take risks and changing some of the rules, you know, since just the rounds, just by example, I think it's good stuff. There was a time where the punches were enough. And to use this in an MMA term, there was a time when a cage fight was enough. If if I found out they were going to put a cage up and two guys, well, I didn't care if it was amateur, I didn't care if it was three rounds, five rounds, two minute rounds, I didn't care what they were going, oh my God, I wouldn't even be able to sleep the night before if I had tickets and was going to be able to go. I would be that excited about it. And it's not the case anymore. The punches and kicks aren't enough. There's too much opportunity. There's 11 fights every Saturday, and some Saturdays there's a total of 22 fights. I mean, I'm just sharing with you, it's a very different time. I now need a story. I need to know why. And that is one thing that Jake Paul provides in spades. Not to mention, he has to. He hasn't been boxing since he was six. His dad wasn't a boxer who's in his corner and kept him out of school. I mean, some of these stories, that you, it, it's not like that. He only has the other thing, which is why he does the other thing, and it's why he only does the other thing. But it's working, and it's interesting that it's working. And it's never been tried in another sport that I know of. There were some very good athletes. I know that in my lifetime, I, I remember Michael Jordan, and he got a chance to go play baseball. And we had a couple, there was a guy named Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson kind of went quiet, but man, this was the biggest sports star in the country, and he was doing two sports. It wasn't just a chance to do it. He was doing, he was a professional football player, and he was a professional baseball player, and I don't know which one he was better at. He was great, but that's a little bit different, right? That's a, that's a little bit different, you know, having an active, world-class, different breed of athlete. It's a little bit different than having somebody famous that turns out he's willing to work really hard. And he's willing to risk in front of the world. It's just, it's, it's different. And where's it going to go? Well, where it's going to go is purely based around, does the idea work? Which means, do the profits exceed the expenditures? Is it sustainable? And it's appearing by the numbers that Jake is telling us that it is. And he's the only one with the idea. He's the only one with the courage to follow this idea. But that will change as soon as he has success. Believe me, the vultures are already watching. Where is it going to go? Should it be stopped? Should we disassociate ourselves with it? No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody here is doing anything wrong. All right, guys, that's it. I have had it with you all. Enjoy your weekends, and make sure you're back on Tuesday for more from me. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.